take your Bibles, if you have them at home, and turn to uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. Matthew chapter 27, put your finger there, and flip over a few pages to Luke chapter 19. And, you know, many of us know today is, is Palm Sunday, right? And we, we're a whole city through a parade for Jesus. And as Jesus rode back into the city, the, the people were, were throwing palm branches on the ground. They were waving them as a sign of, of celebration, of anticipation of his coming. And that's where we get the, the, the phrase Palm Sunday. It's a day marked with celebration where Jesus was worshipped and where he was praised. But it's also a bittersweet day. It's bittersweet for us because as we, as we remember and as we read about the celebration we also realize that just a few days later, Friday is coming. And Friday is all about the cross. And there's a cross behind me, and we have them on our walls. But Friday is all about the cross. Without the cross, there is no Christian faith. But the cross is coming. And that's what we're reminded of. And, and we know that many in this same crowd, as, as they were waving their palm branches in this big party of celebration, within a few short days, these words of praise would turn into words of death. They would go from shouting, Hosanna, 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 to later shouting, crucify, crucify, crucify. How in the world could this be? And so this morning, I want to just kind of focus your attention on two services, both which focused on Jesus, but had two very different results. The two passages from the gospel of Matthew and Luke. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now flip over to Luke chapter 19. And as he rode along... They spread their cloaks on the ground. They laid out palm branches and they laid out their coats on the ground. You know, the great evangelist Billy Graham has been quoted as saying, the greatest mission field in our country today is the local church. What did he mean by that? And that's something that we spent a few months talking about over the last months. And I'm not sure whether that statement is true or not. But one thing I do know is that many of us in the church know what to say, how to say it, and even how to act. But when the rubber meets the road, for many people in the church, there's no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no salvation. There's just empty words. You say, well, pastor, I, you know, I, I don't know how you can say that. There's, there's a lot going on, and, and we're all facing the coronavirus and, and COVID-19, and, and there's all of that. You know, it, the reality is this. When the heat is turned up, that's when a person's true character is revealed. And the heat is being turned up. And, and I'm thrilled to see and to say that I see in this church many people responding in a very Christ-like way. And that's awesome. But there are still many people in the church, and I think what's going on in our world today is a shaking and a stirring up for all of us in the church, in Christendom, to, to really do some heart-checking and to say, you know, what's going on inside of me? And to really examine and explore the authenticity of my relationship with Jesus. And am I just a Christian because I'm religious and I go to church and because I wear the title Christian, or is there something deeper inside of my heart? So this morning, a challenge and an encouragement for us as we look at these two passages. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into the city. People were shouting praises to God for all the wonderful miracles they, they had seen. And on Friday, they're shouting, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Crucify him. Crucify 
Jesus. So we say, why the change? Well, there are many possible reasons, but, but one reason is that simply their words did not match their heart. What they said out of their mouth was not actually what was in their heart. And do you know what that really represents to me? It tells me that they had a casual relationship, not a committed faith. They had a casual, not a committed faith. And there's a lot of people in the church today that have a casual, not committed faith. They had a religion, but they missed the person of Jesus. So how can we have a committed faith? How can we have real and sincere and authentic consistency in all that we do. So this morning I want to offer you some keys to catch just such a faith. And the first, the first key I want to give you this morning is a committed faith is not self-centered, it's Christ-centered. A committed faith is not self-centered. And that sounds obvious, I know that you're saying that at home, but you know what, we often miss it. In America we tend to say, oh hey, hey God, here's my calendar, here's my agenda, and here's how I can fit you in, and, and we kind of pull God into this and that, and, and turning God into whatever is convenient for us, and whatever is useful for us. And that's what our faith turns into, very, very casual. And in our passage this morning, the people praised Jesus as he passed by, but many of them praised him for two reasons. Number one, because of his miracles, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. And they praised him, you know why? Because they were, he was serving them. Why not praise a God who raised the dead and healed the sick and opened blind eyes and caused the deaf to hear? They praised him because of his miracles. And secondly, because they saw in Jesus a way to be politically delivered from the Romans. To be set free from Rome as Israel was set free from Egypt. Their praise was tempered with this attitude of Jesus what can you do for me? And a few days later, at the trial, they saw a beaten and a disfigured Jesus, a man who no longer looked like a conqueror and a deliverer. And their words said about him, they, 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 and as their words, excuse me, would say about him, they, they, they bought into all the lies and they quickly changed their position. For them, it was much more about me, 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 me. You know, there's a legend about an ancient village in Spain where all the villagers learned that the king was coming and it, and it, was, a, it was a thousand year deal, like a king had not, not been to this village in a thousand years, so the excitement grew and the energy grew and everybody was so ramped up about the king coming, but the problem was this was a very poor village. They didn't have much to offer, but they all grew their own vineyards, they all had their own grapes and they all made their own wine. So this is what they decided in this poor village. They said, look, we can't do much to honor this king that we've, we haven't seen. We've never, you know, we've never met him, but he's going to visit our remote village and we can do the very best that we can do and that's bring our finest glass of wine from our own homes. So that's exactly what they did. They all said, we'll, we'll put this big vat in the middle of the city and it had a ladder leading up to this vat and they all brought a goblet of their finest wine. And they took that goblet and they carried it up the ladder and there was a big celebration going on in town as they poured their wine into that vat. And then finally, the king showed up 
And as the king showed up on that day, they all gathered around to watch as he opened the spigot because they, they, they explained to him, King, we don't have much, but this is what we have. We're, we're, we all brought our very best. We all brought our finest glass of wine. We poured it into this big vat. And so you're surely going to receive the finest wine that, that we have to offer in this little poor remote village. So the king put his cup under there and they opened up the little spigot. And the king had this glass and he took a big sip of, sip of the glass of wine only to find out that it was nothing more than water. You see, what happened is each and every one of the villagers made a decision. They said, hey, you know what? No one's going to really know if I bring my finest wine because everybody else is going to bring their wine. So I'm going to you know, bring the fake, bring the, the phony. I'm just going to dump a glass of water in there and, and no one will know. Well, the problem is they all had the same idea. And they all dumped a glass of water into the vat that was supposed to be their very best. You say, well, well, what's the point, Pastor? Well, the point is that everyone chose to, to bring a fake, a phony, a facade. They didn't choose to honor their king by giving him their very best. And this morning, I want to ask you that question. Are you withholding from your king or are you giving him your all? Not the fake, not the facade, not the phony. Number two. A second key in a committed faith is, a, is relationship. Many of us who were, who were gathered, many of those who were gathered there throw their coats and their palm branches on the streets. They shouted praises because it was the popular thing to do, you see. At that one moment, it became trendy. Have we ever seen that in our Christian walk, the trendy thing? Perhaps some began to do it because they had sincere motives, but others soon did it because everybody else was doing it. And they jumped right on the bandwagon. Hey! Everybody's doing it. Why not do it? Well, later at the trial, they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And now that's the trendy thing to do. Oh, they're doing it, so I'll do it. He's doing it, so I'll do it. In fact, for a brief moment, it was the trendy thing to do now to make a mass murder and a criminal our hero when they shouted out, we want Barabbas. You know, in our own lives, a committed faith comes only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, one that is new and one that is fresh and, and is personally where he directs our steps every day. That's why I said in communion a moment ago when we talk about Abba, your relationship and your personal relationship is not something that you put on a show, you go to church, you wear your best, you do whatever, you say the right things. God knows your heart and what he looks at is the heart. Are you just following Jesus because it's trendy and your friends are doing it? Or do you have a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that is yours and yours alone? And that's something that is simply, completely between you and God. Not between you and your spouse, it's between you and God. Certainly your spouse is a part of that, I understand that. But your walk with God has to be yours. By the way, you don't judge your spouse and tell them what they should and shouldn't do in their relationship with God. It's between you and Him. Can I hear an amen? And I, I don't hear much from you out there. You're quiet. In order to have a committed faith, we must develop and maintain a personal relationship with Jesus. And the third key this morning that I want to give you, and this is my last key, but I want you to hear this. A committed faith is not swayed or blocked by our personal trials and crises. A committed faith is not one that's swayed or blocked by our personal trials or crises or the world's personal trials and crises. You see, at the parade, it was trendy to offer praise. Everybody was doing it. But at the trial, to speak out for Jesus was risky. And it was possibly even life-threatening. 
Many of us come to Jesus expecting everything to go good and maybe get some slight bad, but not too much of it. So when the bottom drops out for us, we often ask God why. Thinking, well, it's not supposed to happen this way. You know, why did my marriage fall apart? Why did I lose my job? Why did my financial finances crash and hit the wall? Well, you know, if our faith is based on our situations or our circumstances, it will never be committed. It will be casual. It will always be casual. In my life, I've gone by many big Christian events and I've seen packed stadiums and I've seen people praising God at concerts and, and all of that wonderful stuff where everyone's praising. And then when you go home and all the, all the hype and all the, you know, the hullabaloo kind of dies down, I kind of say to the church, hey, tomorrow you're going to face hardship. Tomorrow you're going to go back into work and you're going to face the things that the world has to offer. And, and can you continue to praise God in a world that might be mocking you or laughing at you or maybe even angry because of your faith? A committed faith takes the good with the bad. And right now we're going through some hardship. We're going through difficult times. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. Some of you don't know where your groceries are coming from, but God, he does. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. He promised he'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll be with you right in the eye of the storm, right in the midst of the storm, right in the middle of it. You can find peace in the presence of God. And that's what a committed faith does, knowing that all we have ever been promised is that in the midst of both our good and our bad, Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He will stand with us. Now, there's a story about a little girl who was walking by a, a beautiful garden. And she admired this beautiful flower in the midst of the garden. And she said, wow, that's a beautiful flower. And she, she smelt the flower. And she said, it looks so pretty. It's so nice. And, and she said, you know, I can't leave that beautiful flower in that dirty dirt. It looks disgusting. It's dirty. So she, she plucked that flower out of the dirt and she, she brought it inside and she washed all the dirt off that flower because she said, oh, it's too pretty of a flower. It can't have all that dirt on it. And she, she took that beautiful flower out and then she, she kind of placed it on the counter and that flower began to dry up and that flower began to wither away and that flower ultimately wilted and died. And the gardener said to the little girl, you know, well, you've destroyed my most beautiful plant. You, why did you do that? And and she said, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I just didn't like it in all that dirt. And I, I took it out of that. And the gardener said, listen, I chose to put the flower in that spot. I mixed the soil because I knew that only there could it grow to be a beautiful flower. Listen, God's placed you right where you are. He's placed us right where we are. And we have got to trust him. I want you to whisper those two words in your head and in your heart right now trust him in the in the trusting we eventually see that he's using our pressures he's using our trials he's using our difficulties he's using our circumstances to bring a greater degree of spiritual beauty inside of you in the middle of what's going on with the dirt and the mess and all the stuff all around us in life god knows that it's not by accident he knows exactly what he's doing you see true contentment comes when we accept what God is doing 
and we thank him for it. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Thank God for all the disease and all the death and all. Listen, true contentment comes as you say, God, you're in control, not me. And I choose to praise you in the middle of the storm. This morning, I want to ask you, is your faith casual or is it committed? As we approach Holy Week, where Jesus suffered incredibly for us, in a week where our sins, past, present, and future, those were the nails that went through his hands and hung him on that cross. So I think this week deserves a second look. In a world of so much uncertainty, in a world full of pain and sickness and disease, where we, we don't know what's happening next, doesn't Jesus deserve full control of your life? Doesn't he deserve an authentic, a real, a genuine, personal relationship with you? Not just going to church, because right now, you can't go to church. <laughs> you have to be the church. Right now is a great time for you to do some deeper soul searching. This week isn't a great time for you to really consider it all and choose to give it all to him. Give the pain, give the suffering, give the confusion, give the questions. Get, Lord, I give it all. No, we don't know what life's going to look like when we get through this, and we will get through this. But life is going to look different. Our economy is going to change. Your job may change. We, everything is uncertain. But this one thing is certain, that Jesus, on Palm Sunday, came back into Jerusalem to pay a price for you and I that you could never pay on your own, to wash us and to cleanse us and to give us an opportunity for new life through him, to give us an opportunity for abundant life in him, to give you and I an opportunity to have an intimate, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. So my question for you this morning is, have you given it all to him? If you haven't, what a great opportunity to do it. As we prepare for and lead up to Holy Week, there's some wonderful things you can do to prepare your heart for that. You can do something like watch the Passion of the Christ and be reminded of what Jesus went through for you. Uh, you can go to Right Now Media and, and get all kinds of resources. You can talk with each other, encourage each other, and I'll certainly be on Good Friday to do a devotional for us. And my plan is to do that right about um, 5 o'clock on Friday evening. If you can join us, but if you can't, then it'll be replayed over and over um, whenever you want to watch it. But we're going to celebrate Good Friday because we know Easter's coming. He is risen. Amen? God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Would you bow your heads as we close in a word of prayer? And uh, I'm getting a sign back there. I'm not sure what that sign is, so help me understand. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you uh, for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, even in the midst of uncertainty and difficulty, thank you that we can call you Abba, that we can have that intimate relationship with you. That even in the midst of the, uh, the dirt that might be all around us, like that flower that's planted in the middle of the soil, it's, we can still be a beautiful flower, Lord. And we grow in the midst of, of adversity, in the midst of the pressures and the trials of this life. But I pray, God, that you would take us as your church deeper into a more intimate and abiding, authentic and genuine relationship with you that is not based upon outward circumstances or situations, but it's based upon a faith that is deeply committed and not casual.
Take us beyond superficial, God, I pray. And I pray that each and every man and woman and young person watching would make that choice in their own, that they would say, in my journey, I know that God knows me, but in my journey, I choose to follow him in spite of the cost or the consequences that I may incur. And I choose to abide with him forever and always. God bless your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Watch over and keep them. Amen and amen. Pray the Lord will bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and shower you with his peace and his presence this week. We'll see you Friday night at 5 o'clock. God bless.